We should be joined on the uh, phone now by uh, John Lennon. John, can you hear us? I can indeed. Good morning. Okay. Good morning, John. It's great to talk to you this morning. Um, you've just been celebrating yesterday, I think, 21 years of the work of Doris Limney, which you're now calling Doris, I think you're rebranding, um, over the 21 years that the service has been operational in Limerick. Um, I'd like to ask you to talk about the work of Doris, Doris Limney as it was, how it's changed and your, the campaign that you've been running for some time now to end direct provision. So would you like to tell us a bit about it? Yes, so delighted to have the chance to talk about what we do. Doris was set up, as you said, 21 years ago. Um, the name was chosen because Doris is Irish for door, and the idea was that it would be an open door or welcome for people coming to Limerick. It also stood for Development Organisation for Refugees and Asylum Speakers. And the initial focus was on people who are coming to seek asylum or international protection, um, as it's also called in Limerick. And direct provision had been started. There were some centres opening in Limerick and some of the good people who started the organisation wanted to ensure that there were supports there for them. Um, we broadened the scope of the organisation over the years to cover all migrants. Um, our work has extended in lots of directions, but unfortunately we still have direct provision, even though it was set up supposedly as a temporary measure back in the year 2000. So the government have committed to ending it in their current program. We have a white paper that outlines at a very high level how that would happen. And we're hoping that they stick to that commitment and do what they say, which is to end it by 2024, because it's, it's, it's a terrible system for anybody to have to live in. It's a particularly bad situation for children who may be born into a remote, you know, cramped direct centre in some part of Ireland and, and grow up there and, and spend their formative developmental years in a system that's really poor in terms of resources, in terms of access to society, any aspects of it. So we really want this system ended as quickly as possible. To me, it seems totally dehumanising, really, isn't it? You know? Absolutely, it, it is. I mean, people cannot even come and go without signing in and out in many cases. They have to read their meals when they're served up. They're often very poor quality meals as, as well. It's extremely difficult to get to and from work, even if you are one of the lucky ones that has a work permit. So it's, it's essentially social exclusion. It's, it's, you know, people are not allowed to integrate or to be part of society. They come here from persecution from war, from oppression, and, and the consequences of spending years in direct provision is that it's, it's, it's re-traumatizing or adding further to the traumatic experiences that, that people have had. Yeah. And most of those people, as far as I know anyway, are anxious to work and contribute to Irish society, make a new life for themselves here, you know, and uh, we as an Irish people should be more welcoming to them, you know. And I would have always said that generations past, we, let's say, we had the plight of immigration in this country and a lot of Irish immigrants, whether it was uh, abroad in America or even in England, 
didn't always get the best treatment. So we in Ireland should have more understanding for those people and be more wel welcoming to them, you know, especially when they want to contribute to our society. That's <laughs> my tuppence worth anyway, you know. Absolutely, and I mean you're 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 right that we we should have a memory and understanding of migration and yeah. and how we've been treated. But as well as that, you know, we we've also seen over the last couple of years what the appalling and devastating consequences of institutionalized living was for some people here in Ireland, and to a large extent, we're repeating that yes. now with direct yeah. provision, yeah. and we'd be looking back in another couple of decades. And we'll be asking ourselves as a society, how did we allow that to happen? How did we allow people, to, you know, to, to have to live in a situation where their mental health became utterly destroyed? You know, where, where children became disenfranchised, disillusioned, couldn't find the means to, to progress because they weren't able to get to, to engage in school or go to university yeah. and do, as you say, what they wanted to do, which was to grow up as, as, as Irish people in the same way as any other children. Has this commitment to um, a new process, John, uh, to the process of regularisation for people, will that, do you think, really enable the end of direct provision to come about? Yes, so... There have been a number of positive steps, I guess. So we have, as I said, the outline of the new international protection um, support services that are intended to come after um, direct provision. We have argued for a long time that the backlog of cases that were in the system needed to be cleared before they could progress beyond the current system. There are about 7,000 people currently in direct provision. And it was welcome to hear that the government did announce in the last week that anybody who was in the system for two years could apply for their situation to be regularised, in other words, to get leave to remain here in Ireland, which is very welcome. You know, it's, it's going to allow lots of people just to be able to get on with their lives. It's also going to make the job of moving beyond direct provision just more manageable for the, the, the department and Roderick O'Gorman's um, staff. Mm -hmm. Um, it's been some time now, I mean, it's been going on for a very long time that people have been in this situation. We've seen some people who've been able to, I suppose, break out of it by virtue of their opportunities which have come up for them. But, um, you know, could you see anything in the very short term which can make a big difference? Would more funding matter or, you know, different ways of providing the accommodation and so on? Yes, yeah, so I, I think that, that there are a number of things. So I think that the, the, the service provision for people in, in Ireland is, is really poor, and, and particularly when we look at the area of mental health and, and well-being for, for people who are in direct provision. We also know that housing is a challenge now for, for everybody in this, in this country. Yes. And there is a lot of work that's needed there, just not just for people who are in the international protection system, but, but right across the board. And, and, of course, it should never be a matter of pitting one group against the other and saying that, you know, some mm -hmm. people are taking houses from others. You know, yes. everybody has a right mm -hmm. to housing. 
And, and we have obligations under the 1951 Geneva Convention, particularly to international protection applicants. I, I think that um, the organizations like Doris that are supporting protection applicants, you know, are, are stretched as well. You know, we're, we're finding now that when we come into the new year, we'll be helping people with the paperwork to apply for that regularization scheme. We'll also be helping with what's termed an Afghan admissions program that's going to start very soon, where the government are going to provide a re- reunification path, family members of Afghan people who are at risk back in their own country will be able to join other family members here in Ireland. Um, that that's that's also going to be a welcome development. Although we're we're concerned about the caps that's being put on numbers and and some of the um, expectations around the paperwork that people might might be expected to have. So there, there's a lot of work for organisations like us in terms of trying to get the best processes and policies in place in order to support people who are fleeing from persecution and oppression and war, etc. But also just to be able to get people to their rights and to the services that they need to be able to complete the paperwork and so on. Mm-hmm. Most people don't, or a lot of people at least, don't have English as their first language if they're coming through. The of course. Yeah. So we, we need better supports right across the board. So are you depending depending largely on volunteer activity there or are you able to recruit people, you know, on the basis of actual employment? So as as an organisation, we we are fortunate enough in that we have funding to um, from um, the J.P. McManus Benevolent Fund in, in Limerick from other donors um, we also have a number of specific projects that are funded by government, but core funding is a real problem. And we are really fortunate in that we have, as, as, as organizations right across the country, have lots of very passionate and committed volunteers who do a lot of work every, every day, as you say, with us. And are you looking for volunteers at the moment? We're, we're being fortunate in that we, we've... We found a lot, a new group of volunteers that we've just fitted into um, positions and into work that they'll be doing. We're now stretched until after Christmas, and we expect that when January, February comes again, we will be looking for volunteers at that point, and we'll be putting out a call for specific areas that we'd like um, people to, to help us with. Well, certainly, if we can help in any way with that, uh, do give us a call about that and let us know. We'd be very happy to help if we can. John, if somebody wants to find out more uh, about uh, Doris and the work you do, where is the best place to uh, access that information? So the best place is to go to our website, www.doris.org. So we're said D-O-R-A-S. Um, and we, we've got information there. One of the first things that people will see is our Christmas appeal, where we are asking for donations and for people to help us to be able to help people who are in direct provision financially just to be able to buy things like phone credit for them or other things that, you know, a lot of us will take as as, as standard yes, over the Christmas yes, period. Yeah. But for somebody on 38 euro a week, it's, it's virtually impossible to, to get. 
indeed. So, John, look, thank you for taking the time to talk to us here on Scarif Bay Community Radio, and we wish you and all your volunteers all the best with the work that you do, and hopefully that this time next year things will be better for those that are in direct provision and that we might see an end to it. Thank you. Lovely talking to you. Thank you, you John, and very happy Christmas to you and your family. Thank you. Thank you.